0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, j We are currently in a sermon series called Where We Are and Where We're Going, a vision series on direction in an unprecedented time. So today we, we start a uh, kind of a, a short series before we jump back into the book of Matthew. And, and all we're really trying to do over these next several weeks is just to kind of share with you a little bit about you know, what's stirring in us, what's stirring in me as a pastor, what's stirring in your staff, your elders, and, and, um, and then how do we kind of um, respond to what's kind of going on in us. So these will be uh, sort of one-offs is what I call them in the sense of that they're not going to have like a common theme other than these are just things that are, that are stirring within your pastoral team and staff team. This is not an exhaustive list. And so, uh, you know, just to kind of lay out my insecurities and my stuff that's kind of going on in me. And sometimes I feel like, hey, oh, you didn't mention this. Or at the end of this, I'll get an email and here are the five things I think you should have been burdened about and you weren't. And so I'm not. this is not an exhaustive list. There's all kinds of things we're burdened about. These are ones I just feel like are particular for our community and just want to speak into those um, over the next several weeks. So if this is your first time here, it's a great time to be here because you're in the middle of the beginning of a a new series as well as you get to kind of hear a little bit about what's stirring uh, in our lives. What I want to do this morning briefly is um, just want to kind of acknowledge the reality of what we're living in and what we're kind of dealing with on a uh, day-to-day basis. And then want to talk a little bit about, like, how does this affect us as a church as we approach uh, this fall, which is crazy. Summer is coming to a close, and uh, we're about to enter into the fall season. Time really has gone by very fast. So to start us off here, I'd love to just um, hear from you, you know, or just think about this. How many of us have ever been in a situation where we have just got to a place where we have no idea what to do. Like we are sort of paralyzed. We, we, we just don't know how to move forward. Like anyone ever been in a situation where it's just like you have no idea what you're going to do or how to move forward? So kind of raise your hand if you are. Oh, awesome. Got a, got a few of us that are resonating with what I'm saying up here. I, I thought about this over the course of this week and um I realized there's a, there's a lot more circumstances where I've been in where I have no idea what to do than what I want to admit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I thought I knew a little bit more, but obviously I don't. There are three that came to me immediately when I thought about like, you know, this, this scenario. Uh, one was when I graduated uh, from Campbellsville College at that time, I was 21 years old. I moved up north to a, a little town called Vincent, Ohio. And and I started as a youth minister, their very first youth minister for this church, a small kind of rural church called Lighthouse Baptist Church. I had about 150 people there, uh, and I was a part-time youth guy for them. And I remember the first Sunday, I mean, literally, like it was yesterday. I remember the first Sunday we're in Sunday school, and here I am, 21 years old, standing before about 15 kids, you know, ages 6th grade to 12th grade. And literally, I mean, I didn't say this out loud, but what's going on in my head is like, I don't have a clue what I am doing. Like, what? why did they hire me is what I thought. It's like, what What did I tell them? Because I don't have a clue what's going on here. And and maybe some people thought the same thing after I left four years later. It's like, yeah, he really didn't have a clue what he was doing. But that was one instance. Another one, I don't know if you felt this way with marriage, you know, after the honeymoon season is over. And, and sometimes that can last a couple of days to two years. You know what I'm saying? There's a season where you feel like things are amazing and you've, you know what I'm saying? Like everything, we're just clicking. You know, sometimes I last a day and in others it takes a little longer to realize like, ah, you're a little different than, than what you realize, right? And I just remember uh, distinctly, like coming to a place in our marriage early on going, I really don't know what I'm doing. I really thought this would be way easier than what it is. We are really two different people, and even after 25 years of marriage, I still don't know how to answer that question. Does this dress make me look fat? What do you think, Lyle? You know, I'm still struggling with that one. Usually, like, I don't know what to do with that. Honey, I love you very much. Uh, Another one was uh, when we first brought our oldest, uh, Michael Bryan, uh, who is headed back to college uh, this Tuesday. So I remember us, when we... um, we're getting him out of the hospital and uh, putting him in this car seat that took me forever to get in our car. I mean, it's like, goodness gracious. Oh, so much stress just getting that in there. But I remember buckling him up and having this thought like, should we be leaving the hospital? <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. You're giving us a person to take care of. And I... Like, I mean, just like it was yesterday. Oh, man, I remember this just overwhelming sense of having no idea what I was doing. And and the reality is, is that never leaves you as a parent. Amen? It's like it just keeps coming back in seasons and seasons. Like, ah, man, we're trying our best here. You're probably going to have to go to counseling when you get to be an adult because we're going to jack you up. But we're trying our best in what we're doing here. So, I mean, I think... Um, part of one of the reasons why I'm, I'm just drawn to this story and, you know, I've read this, you know, a ton of times and gone to it over and over there in uh, First Chronicles chapter or Second Chronicles chapter 20 is because all of us can, can resonate with Je- Jehoshaphat. We can all relate to what he's experiencing and what he's going through. I mean, his is obviously on a much larger level. You know, he's the king of a nation, getting ready to fight against these armies that are just crazy and vast. But all of us, no matter your age, no matter where you're at spiritually, we've all been in situations and in circumstances where we just don't know what to do. I mean, you know, if you're not familiar with Old Testament history and totally understand that, but Uh, This is a a time where the nation of Israel is divided. So you got kind of the northern kingdom and they have their own king and then you got the southern kingdom uh, and they have their own king. And right now in this season where they're at in the Old Testament here, King Jehoshaphat is the king of the southern kingdom. And, And what we read here, as you guys saw, is that there are three different armies that are coming up against this small southern kingdom. And this is a a vast number of people um, and, um, and, you know, as we saw there in verse three where King Jehoshaphat just basically said, look, we're afraid, we're alarmed, we're terrified. Uh, the odds are not good for this king at all. I mean, there's no way that they can step out and, and just manpower, be able to defeat them. And so the good thing about this is that this fear that is real and not sinful to feel, right, drove him to cry out to God, and that's what we see there. Kind of, uh, you know, uh, after the first few verses, this is a, a gathering of the people um, there at the temple, and and King Jehoshaphat is is leading kind of in a a corporate cry for help. And in that, you see him talking about you know the greatness of God and His power, and uh, we see him talk about what He's done in the past and what He's promised to do in the present for them, and then. Then he acknowledges the current crisis that they're going through, this situation that's just terrifying and kind of freaking them out in this moment. And then at the end, verse 12, he is, he's asking God to act. He's asking God to intervene. He's asking God to come through. And here's why. Look what he said here in verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless We are powerless before this fast number that comes against us. And we do not know what to do. We are powerless. We're at the end of our own resources. And we don't know what to do. I mean, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm just trying to use my imagination here and and try to bring some uh, connections with what we're experiencing right now in our own culture, I think there's ways that you can say that just as Jehoshaphat is facing these three different armies, there's ways that we're, we're facing kind of like three different um, similar foes and attacks or advancements against us. And so, and when I say us, just like us as human beings, not necessarily the church at large. One is that all of us in this world are still dealing with a pandemic. And this pandemic is affecting every single one of our daily lives. All of us in this room. And this isn't just happening in Jaytown, Kentucky. It's not just happening in Louisville. This is happening all over the world. We are all dealing with this sort of um, advancement on us. This kind of large army of a worldwide pandemic. Another one, and I, we can probably have all kinds of threes, but I'm just, this is where I'm at. So another one is the issue of economy. Yeah, man, thank God we've we've opened up in some way, right? We have opened up slowly. Uh, but even now, as we watch the news, we see where places are being closed down and shut down. And even within our own, our state here, some more limits on when they can open, you know, especially within restaurants. And so, there's still a lot of uncertainty of what, what kind of effect is this going to have on us long term and our economy. Right there is another kind of advancement sort of that we're navigating and dealing with. And then the third one I would lay out here is just kind of this, um, the personal kind of crisis of anxiety and fear that all of us are feeling. Whether we consciously are aware of it or not, this is kind of the, the air that we breathe right now, it is all around us. All of these things, these two things I just talked about, this is kind of what we're, we're living into, and it is creating this kind of um, fear, anxiety, and um, sort of tension that all of us kind of experience on a day-to-day basis. I mean, just think about it, guys. Look, this, this, um, you know, this, this time we're in right now, it kind of leaves us sort of in this fog of uncertainty but even in the midst of this fog of uncertainty, we're still having to make decisions. I mean, for some of us in this room, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, we're having to make decisions about school and what we're going to do with our children when it comes to school. If you've got kids that are headed off to college, just like me, there's creating a lot of anxiety and honestly some fear of how that's going to be, what that's going to look like. Um, you know, are they going to be okay? Are they not? I mean, that's all kind of Welling up in my own soul and what's happening to me as I, as I kind of navigate this world that we're living in. Some of us, you know, this is, whether you ask this question or not, here's what's in here also is this. Am I going to get COVID? Will my family get the coronavirus? Will my neighbor? Will my mom? My dad? My grandparents? Whatever it is. And, and part of, even though if you've not consciously asked that question, it's still kind of there. And part of what creates, I think, some of the anxiety that we might feel is because we just don't know what to expect with it. You know, if you get the, you get just like the normal flu, you know, it's like a two-week period, and most likely you get over it. But we've got people that have, I know people personally that got into coronavirus, and it's just been kind of like a sinus infection for them, and then it's killed another person, a close friend of mine. I mean, within the same household, one child gets it, it's it's, it's a sinus infection, the dad gets it, and we had his funeral last week. Like, this is what we're swimming in. This is where we are. Some of us are in situations where we're uncertain about our job. Right now, it's you feel like it's secure, things are fine for you, but there's still this um, sort of uncertainty that still lingers. Just got an, a text this week from a friend whose um, church is downsizing because of financial strain. And he's been at this church for over 10 years and is going to have to find another job looking for a place. They got him to the end of the year. And so praying for him and trying to find places for him to connect. But it's a hard place to try to find a church that's hiring right now, to be real honest with you. And so this is all that we're swimming in, all right? Whether we're acknowledging it consciously or not, it is, it is here. And what I'm experiencing in my own life and with others sometimes is it feels like everything's top shelf, Right? And, and we find ourselves getting angry, like, really fast, right? And we find that our patience is really thin. I just told my wife yesterday, like, I am low on patience, and that's not great for a dad or a husband or someone who pastors, right? Because my low on patience is with people. It's like, I feel like I'm right here, and I'll just give you an example of this, and even to my shame, I, this is it. I was driving out of my neighborhood this week and um, we have like a little lake there and I was, I was driving out and I thought I saw somebody that I knew and I just glanced over real quickly to see if I knew that person so I can honk my horn and wave. And you know, when you glance, you, you, yeah, I, I drifted a little over the center line. Just, I mean, I don't know. I had a film. I mean, it, it was very little, right? It was just a little small, but man, There was another car coming, and just just a little drift, quickly, waved his hand at me. And I was like, dude, like, in my mind, I'm going, calm down. I mean, I wasn't even close. He had plenty of space there. You know, I kind of waved at him. And then as I'm driving out, this is what's going on in my head. I'm fantasizing about just ramming his car as soon as he honked at me. I just wanted to go. Boom, there you go. There's something to wave at. And just back up, boom, hit him again. Like even now I'm feeling it in my body, right? <laughs> so like, like when I just got done, I'm literally I thought about this for like a few seconds, maybe longer than a few seconds. I did go a little well with it. I'm going, what is wrong, right? And I think part of what's going on is all that we're swimming in is sort of these three different foes, so to speak and how we're navigating it and processing it and all that's kind of coming at us. I don't know about you, but I would have to say over these last four months, there have been several times when I've just sat down and just said, I don't know what to do. I remember when we... um, Gathered together as six lead pastors back in March uh, to kind of make a decision on whether we're going to have in-person gatherings that coming Sunday, which would have been March 22nd. And even as we're sitting in there, it was, it was a little surreal. Never would have imagined that we would be in a situation where we're kind of making a decision like this. And in the midst of us making the decision to not have an in-person gathering on that 22nd of March... Most of us, I don't know, I can't speak for all those guys, but in my mind, I was going, all right, we'll be a few Sundays and then we'll be all right. We'll get control over this virus and the spread of it and we'll come back. And I knew that, you know, Easter was coming in a few weeks and I just started kind of imagining and dreaming like, man, wouldn't it be awesome, man? This stuff gets kind of taken care of. We come back together on Easter Sunday because we had big plans to celebrate baptism that Sunday. We, we, we ordered T-shirts that we have now because we couldn't, Say no to those t-shirts, we already pulled the trigger on that said ain't no grave, and those people are getting baptized, we're getting the T. I mean it's gonna be a big Sunday, man. Just think about it. man, wow, God's gonna really be glorified as we come back on that Sunday. This place will be packed out, doing three services. Dude, that's just gonna be awesome. Twelve weeks later. Twelve weeks. Came back in the middle of June. And it definitely wasn't what we had dreamed or anticipated or prayed for. Andy Crouch wrote a, he's an author and I would call him kind of a cultural commentator that I, that I highly respect. He wrote, a, he wrote an article back in March, which is kind of prophetic, I feel like, describing what we're all going through as, a, um, as more of a winter and not a blizzard. And here's what he said, winter might begin with a blizzard, but it's a season lasting months, not a single event. In cold climates, winter means that the periodic acute events like blizzards punctuate a continuous period in which human activity must adapt to bitterly inhospitable conditions. This is almost certainly the reality of COVID-19 in the United States and many other countries. This will not be an event lasting a few weeks. The President of the United States, advised by widely respected public health experts, including doctors Anthony Fauci and Deborah Birx, stated on March 16th that Americans should expect measures to combat the spread of the virus to last through July or August. And here we are, August 9th, still dealing with this thing called the coronavirus. But when we're in a situation where we feel like we don't know what to do, we're acutely aware of our own powerlessness. We're more aware of how much we don't really know, right? We, we feel what King Jehoshaphat was feeling in that moment. We experience it. But the good news is, is that this is a really good place to be. And in fact, I would make an argument, or I put before you, I think arguments are really good to do from the pulpit. I would put before you that this is where God's wanting to get you often in your life. Not just a one-time event, but daily, to where we recognize that we are powerless, And we do not know because it's in those moments that there's an invitation for all of us to kind of realign our posture, to realign our gaze and look to the one who holds all things in the palm of his hand. And he's got everything in control and he is a good God. I love what King Jehoshaphat said here in verse 12, for we are powerless before this vast number that it comes to fight up against us we don't know what to do, but look here's the invitation but what do we do? we look to you the NIV translation we don't know what to do but our eyes are upon you I mean this is a, this is about a posture here it's a it's a declaration of trust it's a it's a humbling ourselves and saying we're going to put our reliance upon you not on our own strength, not in our own power not in some kind of you know, clever, you know, way that we can figure out the problem. No, we are, we're setting our eyes upon you. We're fixing our eyes on the most essential resource that is still available to all of us. The most important reality has not changed, even though so much of our normal day-to-day existence has changed. God has not. He is in control of all things. And, and the good news about that also is that He is a good God, He is a good God who is in control of all things. So in the midst of I don't know, in the midst of a a lot of uncertainty, in the midst of, of just being confronted with how powerless we are, comes an invitation for our eyes, our posture, our gaze to be set on him and put our reliance and our trust in him. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we, uh, I use this analogy a lot, but you guys are gracious to me, so you let, let me use this and you laugh. You know, it doesn't mean we float, you know, blow up the inner tube and we float down the lazy river of God gazing on his eyes or whatever, and we don't do anything. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, well, we're just kind of waiting on the Lord. We're floating around, blah, 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 waiting on God to do something. No. No, in fact, it's quite the opposite of that. If you would go and read the rest of this text, you would see you know, once they pray this prayer, God answers to them and there's a ton of verbs. It's like there's a lot of action. There's some doing in the process of setting our eyes on him. There's, there's some doing in putting our gaze toward him and waiting on the Lord. It says in, in verse 16, to march down against them. Verse 17, take up your position, stand firm. And verse 17 again, go out to face them tomorrow. So look, we as a church, yes, and me as a pastor and a husband, a follower of Jesus Christ, or wanting to set my eyes, continually on him, to trust him, to to rely upon him for guidance and direction in the midst of so much uncertainty. And this posture is also a posture where we continue to move forward. It doesn't mean we just sit back and kind of wait. No, no, we're reminded that God has called us to a time like this. This is a time, God's not surprised at this, but he's called this church, this body, to a time like this. We still have a mission from God, not one that I've made up. This is God's mission for the church. We're still here to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're still here to mature, disciple people, to become followers of Jesus. We're still here to send you out in order to be a loving, faithful presence. Wherever God has you in your neighborhood, your workplace, your schools, whatever it is, we still have a mission and we still have a community that we are called to serve alongside. And so, So it doesn't mean we don't act. It doesn't mean that we don't still move forward. It just means we're continually realigning our posture and saying, man, our hope, our trust, our reliance is not on ourselves, not on what we can think of, but on the Lord. And in the midst of our trusting in Him and putting our posture toward Him, here's what we're stepping into in the fall. Here's what we're we're navigating as we go into the fall in light of all that's going on around us. And so I just want to, I want to kind of highlight two really quick. This isn't an exhaustive list, but at least highlights like what, is, what, what am I calling our church to kind of lean into over these next several months as we deal with a three army and foes or whatever, you know, that we're all coming up against. The first one is groups and the second one is kind of what I want to call kind of forward facing initiatives. So quickly here, just give me a second here as I talk about groups for a minute. So if you would um, if you would want to kind of name um, uh, what Sojourn Church would be if it was a bird or if it was an animal, you would call it a bird. And that sounds kind of weird, but just bear with me. We've always been about kind of like the, the two wings of a bird. You know, it, we're kind of what we call a two-winged church. Um, and this has been the get-go since day one. Now, granted, this is not for this sermon. Come back in a few weeks and talk about this. I do think there's some gaps here that we've experienced over the last 10 years of of just focusing solely here on these two wings. I think there's some ways that we need to kind of grow and and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But one of them is Sunday gathered and the second one is community groups. This is what we've always been about. These two pieces have been the heartbeat of our church. And at the center of those, what would be the body of the bird would be the centrality of the gospel. And so we always looked at Sunday mornings as for lack of a better term, catalytic events where we gather our people Rehearse the gospel through liturgy, send you out into your communities to live out what God has called us to live out in the context of community groups uh, with one another. That's always what we've been about. So the coronavirus, right, has hindered this gathered part. This wing is a little limpy. It is. We can't gather the way we did pre-COVID in a safe and caring and loving way. And this is going to be the reality. I don't know how long, but it will be the reality for a little while. This is not going to end in one week. This may be our reality for the next six months, 12 months. We don't know yet. But this is what's going on in our Sunday gathered. I'm trying to help you as best you can understand like, man, this isn't what we want. This is not what we desire. Yes, we miss pre-COVID days. You better believe it. I don't you know, I don't love us being so isolated like we are now and having to make sure we we have you in certain places. I don't love any of this, but this is this is how we as a pastoral team and leadership here feel we can care and love and care for our neighbors here during a season like this. So this is this is what it's going to be for a little bit. And so it will feel a little limpy. And I know I can some of you may have pushed back to that and I understand that. Some of you may you know, push back on me and just say, Lyle, why don't you take a stand? You know, the government shouldn't be telling us when we should meet or not meet. Why don't you take a stand? And I just want to offer to you, I am taking a stand. I'm taking a stand for your health. I'm taking a stand for your neighbor's health. I'm taking a stand for your grandparents' health. I'm taking a stand for your community's health here. You know, like, I I read the news. I don't read it a lot because it drives me crazy sometimes. You know, and I just heard this week of a a well-known pastor that basically said that verbatim. The government can't tell us not to meet. We're opening up the doors. Well, I think that's a really unwise and unloving way to lead your church. That's where I am. And so we are trusting the Lord. Romans 13 is there saying, look, God has established the governing authorities we didn't establish, God did. God established. And part of us trusting him is trusting our governing authorities and, and leading in such a way to where we hear what they're advising, taking into account our current context and feel like that's the best way that we can serve our neighbors and love them. So you better believe we're thinking not just of our interests, but the interest of others. And yes, Sundays will feel weird for a while. There's nothing I can do about it. This is where we are, and we as a pastoral team feels like this is the best way that we can love our neighbors really well. Look, guys, my non-Christian friends are taking this very seriously. They are. And sometimes, just, this is Lyle's opinion, okay? You can disagree. Sometimes the way that I've seen my brothers and sisters in Christ take this hurts me. And I would make an argument, it hurts our witness. And so, we're gonna still do this well, right? We're not gonna do shabby, right? It's not gonna be like, you know, a little pep talk on whatever, you know? We're gonna get up here, and, you know, we're gonna go hard on Sundays, you know? It's just gonna feel a little weird for a while. We're gonna be doing online services by September, we're gonna have two of them. We'll do both 9 and 11 o'clock. And so, look, my encouragement for you is even though it's weird, come. Come, be a part of this. There's something that God does in us when we gather in person. We need this week in and week out. Yes, I get it, man. Kids are hard. We're trying to, month to month, make a decision when we can open up kids ministry. And even when we open it up, guys, it's going to be limited. And so I've heard families kind of swapping back and forth. Not, not swapping their kids, but you know what I'm saying? Like when one family will watch the kids so they can go to church on Sunday. Just get creative, guys. There's something that God does when we're in person. But at the same time, if you don't feel safe or comfortable or if you're in a high-risk population, then stay home, enjoy, be a part of this Our services at 9-11. I say all that to set up groups. So then therefore, if one wing is kind of struggling, then we're going to kind of turn our attention and our effort toward the other wing, which is our community groups, which has always been a value in our community. But maybe at times it's been undervalued. Well, now it cannot be because the reality is, is that it will be the largest group that gathers on a weekly basis in our 18 to 20 groups that, that gather throughout our community. Like that's going to be the largest group that can gather on a weekly basis. So we want to put resources, time and energy in helping our groups thrive during a very, very difficult season. So we just had a leaders meeting last week and um, wanted to kind of give permission and some direction of what they can do. And so we're really encouraging them if they can follow the guidelines to meet in person. uh, Man, Zoom, Zoom. Group meetings were difficult. They were hard. Uh, if you've got a group leader that's been leading Zoom calls, man, please text them, send them a note. It has been difficult and they've persevered through a very, very difficult season. And so we've gathered our leaders and said, man, we want to do it as best you can. Gather in person, face to face, see one another in a in a safe place. So that means this, trying to encourage creativity. We're opening up our church during the week for groups to meet in this church because we get it. My house, if I've got 10, 15 people in there, it's packed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, if you want to social distance, there's a window out here, right? We'll lift up the window and you can listen to me talk or what, you know what I'm saying? That's supposed to be funny, but I'm assuming you're laughing behind the mask. But uh, we are, we're opening up this building because we, we value the group's meeting in person. There's ways that we can still be safe and, and, and spread out and opening up our church. And so, so yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're in a group, encourage your group leader, They're going to be giving you information of what this looks like for the fall. If you're not in a group, then I want to encourage you to get in one. If you're one who was in a group and you stepped away for a season, I want to encourage you to get back into one. Because I don't know if you're like me or not, but I have a tendency to drift. I have a tendency to forget who I am in Christ. I have a tendency to get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I have a tendency to kind of go through the spiritual malaise, kind of, Flying by the seat of my britches, whatever you want to call it. And I need brothers and sisters in my circle to encourage, to spur me on, and to challenge me, like the writer of Hebrews says, to love and good deeds. Look, guys, look. I'm not concerned one iota about the church because this is not my church. This is a church of Jesus Christ, and he's been moving this church forward for 2,000 plus years and it will be fine at the end of this virus. And in fact, I would say it can thrive. It can be stronger. How? Because there have been periods of history where you could not gather in large groups and the church still grew and it became stronger. How? Through small groups, you and me, meeting in small groups for prayer, reading of the word, encouraging one another, confessing sin together, and looking for ways to love and serve our neighbors. That's how. And so my desire, man, is that whenever this ends, which it will, that we as a church would come back stronger. That we would come back with a depth in us. That we would come back with the resilience in us. And that's not going to happen in isolation. It won't. It'll only happen in the context of relationships where we're spurring one another on in love and good deeds. And so if you're not in a group, man, I just encourage you, get in a group. This is going to be the lifeblood of our church over the next 12 months. It really is, and will continue to be so in the years to come. Lastly, second little thing I want us to just focus on over the course of these next several months. So because there's places where our energy cannot be used Um, specifically within Sunday morning gatherings, I want us to work on, uh, for the lack of better words, and I don't mean this in a cliche way, just being more of the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. So there are three things that we are working toward uh, this fall, and you guys will get more information about this and ways you can get involved. You've already gotten one of them. Uh, We want to partner with some local schools here as they get ready to start school this fall. There's a lot of needs they have. I think there's a slide That's coming up eventually when I talk here. Here are are things that uh, some local schools have mentioned to us that they need right now as they get ready to step in. And we're just asking you as a body over the next several Sundays in August to bring those with you. We'll have a box or someplace where you can uh, put those so we can come alongside and serve some of the local schools here that are in desperate need of some specific supplies as they begin this weird season of schooling. Uh, We can't do a truck or treat this year, obviously, because we can't gather over 1,000 people in one place and hopefully make it safe. So we're gonna find ways if, if we can do this to where we can serve and care for some neighborhoods and, and during the Halloween season. We're, we've done this before in the past and we're trying to find a way to kind of step into this more in the coming years since we can't do a trunk or tree. The third thing we're looking to do is what we call affordable Christmas. Um, and this would be an event. We would create a safe place for this to happen where uh, families, low-income families can come and, and purchase gifts at a very affordable cost to where they can have a Christmas this year and, and no better season to, to offer something like that, especially within our economic situations. And so there are other things, but these are the three that I just wanted to highlight uh, for you. And so as I close here, and I know I feel like sometimes this was more of a like um, an infomercial, you know what I'm saying? Just, but sometimes you gotta kind of tell the church what we're doing. Here's, here's three things that I'm asking from you. Number one is that you would pray that we would cry out to the Lord, that we would maybe, I'm not saying you have to do with this, but maybe Wednesdays becomes the day that we as a church pray for one another, pray for our church, pray for our resilience, our stamina, pray that our posture would continue to point toward him and seek after Lord Jesus Christ. So yeah, pray for our our, our elders and our staff. Um, yeah, this has been hard, just and honest, this has been really hard. Um, and so just, just pray for us when you think about us. Um, and pray for your group leaders. If you've got a group leader right now, man, love on that husband and wife. They've done a killer job over these last four or five months. It's been really difficult for them. So pray for them. And then the second thing I would just say is I just encourage you to stay engaged. Um, this is a season due to the limitations that we have on Sundays where people can just kind of step back and we can kind of fall into like, ah, it's easier to watch it online. You know, you don't really have any reason why you're not showing up. You're just like, well, I can just kind of tune in. and Okay, I I hear you, but you're needed here. Not just for you, it's for us also. We're a family and we need one another. And so, be intentional in your engagement over a season that that our physical engagement may be difficult. Right? You follow me? And wherever you can physically engage, then step in. Step in. That's pretty good. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church J Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com slash JTown.